0: The Psychedelic Revolution is here. If you want to integrate your visionary experiences into your purpose, get clear on your entrepreneurial path and help people while you do what you love, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to The Psychedelic Entrepreneur, Medicine for These Times. I'm your host, Beth Weinstein. I'm a spiritual business coach, three-time entrepreneur, and a lifelong student of psychedelics and sacred plant medicines you carry your own unique medicine, and your medicine is what we need for these times. This podcast will help you to share your medicine so you can create transformation in the world. Listen in on conversations with psychedelic leaders, change makers, and conscious entrepreneurs who are living proof that a better world is possible when you follow your heart and live in alignment with your soul. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I'm so happy to present Paul Antico here with us, coming to us from L.A. today. Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Beth, for having me. Pleasure.
0: So Paul provides psychedelic integration through Panamas Integration based in L.A. He is also the managing director of Psychedelia Integration, a 501c3 nonprofit founded in 2016. He facilitates a regular integration circle on dosage and healing trauma through psychedelia integration. Paul is trained as a certified compassionate inquiry practitioner, Dr. Gabor Mate's elegant and insightful approach to healing that fully supports plant medicine work. Paul is also trained as a psychedelic somatic interactional therapist, a powerful body-centered trauma release modality from the Psychedelic Somatic Institute he also provides Dr. Stephen Porges safe and sound protocol which is also SSP a practical bottom up approach to help people people regulate their nervous system and you can check out all of Paul's links right here in the show notes and you know check out his work but Paul you know i've been hearing about you for a long time and you know we've been connected on social media and, you know, I've been wanting to bring you on. And then something I posted, whatever it was, about a month ago, um, that actually got like, I think like 400 comments on that Facebook post. You know, your comment was one of the very, I mean, they were all very insightful and it was an interesting discussion. But your comment was like, this is it. This guy knows what he's talking about. So I was like, Paul, come on. Let's let's talk about you know, therapeutic modalities and psychedelic integration and this interesting world that we're entering into where this is growing exponentially. And we are running into, um, you know, interesting uh, challenges and questionable places. And, you know, I think it's worth having a discussion. But before that, let's get started with, you know, the question I always ask everybody, what was your story? You know, how did you get into psychedelic integration work and study all these amazing modalities, including Gabor Mate's um, program. You know, what was your path and what career did you used to have before becoming a psychedelic integration uh, provider?
1: Well, it depends on how far back we want to go, right? We can start way back with the developmental trauma that started the whole thing, right? That's what I was trying to work through and clear and everything like that. And so I'll, I'll just jump ahead to about 10 years ago from there uh, to save all that anguish. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I was looking to find a better way to connect and heal. And I've been doing therapy for a long time. And at that time, about 10 years ago, there wasn't, you know, a lot less publicity about it. There was the occasional article and there was one article, with a title that you've probably heard a million times, 10 years of therapy in one night, you know, ayahuasca. I'm like, Oh wow. That sounds pretty useful. I knew nothing about nothing. I was just like, okay, let's just do that. And at that time they weren't like all over the place. So it took me three months to find a circle to sit in and I had to be vetted and it was a whole production. I was like, Oh my God. Um, anyway, so I went and I did the ceremony finally. And I had a wonderful experience of pure anxiety on steroids for six hours. <laughs> so it was awful. It was like the worst ever. And I was like, where's my mystical experience? Um, so, but, you know, my takeaway from that was, okay, this is how much anxiety I'm carrying around. And it was like kind of shocking, really. But that was really the beginning. That's what started me off. And, you know, it was such an intense experience that I didn't go back for a approximately five years. (laughs) And in the meantime, I was working with cannabis and I was being very deliberate about it. So I would get anxious, just like ayahuasca, only a lot less, a lot more manageably. I take like one hit and I'd be like anxious. So I just did that deliberately to be anxious and to try and sit with it. And so it took me over a year to get to a place where, okay, I'm feeling actually good on cannabis. And then I started wondering, well, I'm feeling guilty for feeling good. What's up with that? <laughs> you know, it's like when we're not used to feeling good and we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, so I was coming, you know, you, learn, you can learn a lot about yourself working with can- cannabis even, you know. So from there, um, you know, I went back. And and I found a really wonderful IS circle that was very heart-centered. They had wonderful live music. And and so my first night with that was also not as bad as the first time, but it still wasn't so great. And I thought, wow, what is going on here? Maybe I just not cut out for this kind of work. And then I had this brilliant idea because I was clearly being overwhelmed. So what if I lower the dose? And I was all like, can I do that? is that possible? <laughs> and so I thought it was a big deal. So I went up and talked to the facilitator and I'm like, can I lower the dose? And they're like, sure. No problem. <laughs> <It's> fine." <laughs> I was all worried about it. And so then I kept going every month I sat for an entire year and it was getting, a, it was a little bit of a joke. You know, I'd go up to, to get my, my cup and they'd say how much this time, Paul? Cause I was like mm-hmm. always trying to modulate it a little bit. And, you know, you can't completely because it's a, you know, it's a plant after all. So sometimes it'd be a little more than I could handle, sometimes a little less. But I will say the first time that I did lower that dose, I had the best experience. It was a heart opening. I was crying all night. It was just wonderful. And it was, you know, really taught me that, you know, and I have the language to explain it now that I didn't then, I was way outside my window of tolerance. And so when I brought it back in, then I could actually work. Otherwise, you're just busy being overwhelmed. You're not, you know, in polyvagal terms, you know, Stephen Porges thing. If you're in fight or flight or freeze mode, you're not going to really learn. You have to feel safe. So you want to feel safe enough to, you know, to feel a certain amount of uncomfortability. You know, then go too far and it's not so helpful. Anyway, so that really moved the needle for me. And it took eight months for me to work up from half the cup all the way to the full dose finally so you know that was a real turning point um because then people were starting to notice things and they're like you're more confident and i'm like and i was noticing Wow, well, i'm not so anxious in situations that i used to be anxious in i was like wow this is pretty cool <laughs> anyway so that you know i would say that's really what started me off on the path And then, you know, so then I was really starting to, you know, I was very involved uh, in the community for a long time in L.A. Um, So the AWARE project was probably the first group in L.A. that was really going. So I was with them not quite from their beginning, about a year after they started. I was been with them ever since then. And then Sheree Malcolm Gadassi started... um, Psychedelia in 2016. She's the one that started that. And I became part of that organization as well. There's another group in LA called Lamps. And um we put on a conference at UCLA, two-day conference in 2018. I was one of the producers of that conference. And, you know, so just kept very active in the community. And through that, you know, realized that, you know, if I want to help out and support other people, that I wanted to, you know, get some more solid information behind me. And I was looking around going, well, what? You know, there's a lot of things that are being offered and they just seem like, well, I'll just print up my own piece of paper. I don't need, you know, there's no, there's no standardization or anything. So, um, Gabor Matei, his compassion inquiry had just come out and I thought, okay, Gabor, I love Gabor. And that credential to me would mean something. So, you know, I went into the compassion inquiry. And from there, I don't know, I can keep going, I guess, with more stuff. Or,
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I love hearing the story. Yeah, I'd love to hear, it yeah, all. and then what?
1: <laughs> well, it was kind of organic. Yeah, So this whole process was kind of organic. I wasn't, you know, the biggest thing I could say is that I was fascinated with it. I wanted my own healing. That was the primary motivator. How can I best, you know, what is healing? How can I you know, help myself and therefore apply that to others? And I was very involved in the community. So it just, everything just kind of fell into place as just moving through. Um, from compassionate inquiry, you know, I got getting exposed to a lot more things. The polyvagal theory was like absolutely fascinating to me and how Stephen Porges explained the concepts of safety and how when you're in fight, flight, or freeze. And I was, you know, just thinking, gosh, I've been dissociated in freeze for most of my life, which is really You know, I think about it, it's just sad. And I feel like I've missed out on so much Mm. because I just wasn't really present. And so, you know, it's coming to terms with that, you know, honoring the whole process. And this is what got me to where I am. And so Stephen Porge's modality is interesting. I mean, he has a lot. He has, there's a whole uh, way of working in that you know, as far as talk therapy, kind of a mode with the polyvagal theory. But the thing that I'm more connected with as far as a provider, Stephen Porges has something called the safe and sound protocol, and it's an auditory intervention. So you wear headphones and it modulates the sound in, in, in your ears. And the, one of the basic premises is that when you're traumatized, your middle ear muscles are not quite working right in the way that you tend to not filter out the background noise enough to hear the social cues of human speech so the background noise gets drowned drowns out the cues from human speech so what this does is it works out your inner ear muscles so that you can then have the human speech be the dominant thing that you're paying attention to as opposed to the background noise so that's Super nutshell of a safe and sound protocol. It's it's five hours. You listen a half an hour a day with headphones, um, and then if you you know some people can get very triggered from listen just listening to it, and so then you, you slow it down. You know if there's any issues, someone's getting triggered, you stop, slow it. It's really following the safety first uh, situation with that. Yeah, it's a it's really interesting. Um, you know, anything I'm curious about, okay, let's try it. Let's see how this works. Yeah. And there's a lot of good information out there. And then also, you can start to recognize some stuff that's just not so effective or useful. Yeah. So
0: um, I'm curious, you know, when you got into this, and, you know, thank you so much for sharing about this and your path. Um, You know, were you like working a JOB job the whole time and going through this profound healing process of, you know, sitting with ayahuasca every month? And, Assuming, you know, maybe doing the therapy or other forms of integration, but were you like also, yeah, like yeah. what else was, I because I'm always curious, like how people shift their careers.
1: Right, right. Well, due to my, I can say due to my trauma, I've had a lot of different careers, some really divergent kind of things, you know, I've actually been paid as a bookkeeper, if you can believe that. And in my youth, I worked at a drive-in theater. How exciting. And so, but the thing I was doing most recently um, was videography, photography, and uh, graphics. And I was doing a lot of live performance, videography and photography, particularly dance. So that was the world I was, you know, I was in the live performance world primarily, but I, you know, I did a lot of other photography as well, corporate kind of stuff and um, so then the pandemic hit, and it was like I've been looking for a way to get out of what I was doing and get full time into this more healing work and the pandemic was like, "Hello, pandemic so you know it it served me really quite well because it there was no more live anything, so it just stopped and you know, and it went on for quite a a while. So everyone sort of figured out the things that they were doing. And that gave me the time to really stop and switch gears and, you know, build up completely. And so that, you know, again, you know, kind of saying things kind of happened organically. I didn't really, I wasn't really like very (laughs) directive entirely. You know, I kind of knew what I wanted to get to, but I didn't really know how I was going to do this or that. And it, and then life just kind of moved me along
0: how it how it tends to happen, but okay, let's get into a little bit of this discussion about integration um so it's it's funny because I thought you've been an integration coach for like millions of years, you know, like one of the originals um but yeah, if it's you know like I get it, like the pandemic made it like the real deal for you um you know your what? your approach must huh.
1: I was going to say, I was doing, I was running integration circles before the pandemic.
0: Oh. So,
1: you know, I was still with my photography and graphics and and, uh, video. I was still doing that stuff as well. So probably for about two years or so, approximately, before the pandemic. So, yeah, then everything switched online. So, but yeah.
0: And then I get it. And then you started seeing clients or taking clients.
1: Yeah. It's, in other words, the pandemic stopped all the other stuff because I was doing both yeah. for a while. Yeah. Wow.
0: Amazing. So let's talk about your approach to integration. Um, You know, like I would love to hear about what is it that you offer? You know, you, you mentioned, you know, your your business and, you know, I know you've studied, it sounds like you've studied a lot of different modalities as well. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on what, psychedelic integration really is all about and also like who needs it who's it for you know do you believe that this is really um an important piece you know i'm curious your your approach and your thoughts on what psychedelic integration really means
1: yeah it's a good question because everyone seems to have a little different definition <laughs> and now uh, there's the standard definition of course integrating all the things that happen to you an attorney and making them part of your daily life and i like to uh, explain the same kind of thing in a little bit more of a therapeutic way which is taking the disowned parts of yourself and and integrating them so that you're actually become a bigger person you know if you're afraid of let's say uh, feeling anger and then you that's a disowned part of you and then you become uh, more comfortable with that anger now you can express that without being uncomfortable so you you actually have a bigger range of emotions. So, it's taking those disowned parts and allow you know, being learning to be comfortable with them. And the psychedelic part is where the psychedelics are, are the catalyst for bringing the stuff up that you wouldn't maybe have such easy access to. So, it's all brought up through the psychedelic. But I think of it, you know, you could take away the psychedelic, and integration is still a valuable thing to do in your life. So the psychedelic is just providing a lot more material to you more quickly, (laughs) sometimes too quickly. So you have to be careful with that part, but yeah. So that, I guess in a nutshell is how I, you know, how I think overall about integration. And so it depends on what the person might bring in terms of what they're working on. And usually that of course has to do with their own psyche and what came up in the psychedelic experience that they had. And, you know, then how do we work with that? And, you know i would I would say it's it's pretty much similar to if someone went to a good therapist and they say, "Well, this is my issue or this is what happened, and I have these feelings and you know you would you wouldn't necessarily treat it that differently you know there's the there is the one extra aspect which is the transpersonal piece which you know sometimes that needs to be understood so you can relate that part in there as well, yeah but you know bottom line is even with a transpersonal experience you have to bring it back how does that affect your day-to-day life how does that you know uh oneness with the universe and univer- uh, a universal sense of connection how does that affect me how does that improve or not or does you know should it my relationships with my partner or my friends or my family so all those things you know just kind of
0: Yeah. No, thank you so much. Um, you know, I always have a question about what, what psychedelic integration, um, you know, like entails, is it just the psychedelic experience or is it like literally every day? Um, I personally have been quote doing psychedelic integration. I, it, it feels like my entire life, you know, because I've been working with psychedelics since I was 14 years old. Um, you know, in the last 10 years, Definitely like deeper dives into things like dietas and, you know, the ayahuasca and, you know, higher doses, more regular ceremonial working with these medicines. But do you feel that people can truly get like the full benefits of psychedelics with just maybe like one integration session or one circle that they attend after their ceremony? Like, do you feel like that's true integration or do you feel like that it it really is something that's like an ongoing process?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an ongoing process. It depends, you know, it's like you get out of it what you put into it. And if someone's just going to do one psychedelic experience, for example, they're only going to get so far. And, you know, it's the same idea with one integration session. And a lot of it, I'd say, depends on what comes up. Because a lot of times when you take a psychedelic it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get somewhere. Sometimes you could be too overwhelmed. You're busy, you know, navigating overwhelmed. So you're, there's nothing really coming up except you're overwhelmed. <laughs> you're in my case, like I was just facing the anxiety. That was that was it. There was nothing else coming through. That was like the blaring message. So you know, then you would work with that. But again, something like that, certainly not one time, you know, it's, I've been doing this for, you know, well, the 10 years, right? Since that happened. And I still have anxiety. It's not, it's way better, but you know, yeah. it's still, you know, it's a process. And, you know, part of me went, can I eradicate this? <laughs> Exciting. But of course, part of it, you know, again, the big, the big message ultimately, and it's, you know, I find it for me at least challenging to really let it deeply sink in is that we have to accept ourselves as we are first that means with the anxiety with everything that we don't like about ourselves we have to say i'm okay even with all that stuff and then ironically things can shift from there but you can't fake that really acceptance you can't fake it it doesn't work i'm only accepting myself so i can get over it no it does not work
0: It's so funny. I was going to say, I'm like, isn't that ironic that, that, you know, like, cause it's, it's funny being in this world for so long. I've seen that. And I feel like we're seeing a little, a little more like this mentality of like, I just want to fix everything and give me the psychedelic to eradicate my anxiety. And I trust me, I'm very much like you. Like, um, you know, my anxiety was pretty crippling my entire life. And I just thought it was, you know, it was like me that's it. But it was painful. And it was really getting to the point of like taking over my life and crippling and getting in the way of things. And it wasn't until, you know, when I went on my first dieta, that was actually my intention. I was like, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. It's like it was I finally started to have this awareness of like it's physically killing me, you know, like physically. It wasn't just like my mind and like friends and relation and job. It was everything. Um, and it, you know, it still comes up, it's not gone, but it's definitely like a million times better than it used to be. But what do you say to this, this mentality of, um, you know, especially coming from, I think the mass media of like, oh, psychedelics will just fix all our problems and like, just take a mushroom and, or microdose and you'll be okay. You know, and then people realize like, maybe that isn't just the answer, um, but you just said something very important where there's this, it's kind of like this kind of societal um, way of just wanting to, you know, like take over everything or like fix everything or just press a magical button and have it delivered at your door. It's kind of the same attitude with some psychedelics. Like, have you been seeing this or noticing this? And what are your views on this? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, it's challenging. So I have mixed feelings, you know, primarily. You know, it's it's getting people sort of to take initiative for themselves in one sense, but they're not really accepting or understanding the nature of what they're getting into. You know, like you probably heard this a lot. Someone says, "Well, if I knew what I had to go through when I started this business, I wouldn't have done it." Well, it's similar, I think, when you start getting into your own psyche, it's like, "Oh my god." Um, so I see part of my job as lowering expectations and, you know, calming it down, you know, and just saying, you know, <laughs> it's a process, mm. and, you know, you may get a lot or a little out of one session or your first session psychi- with psychedelics, but whatever it is, you're going to have to, you know, you're just, as I like to say, um, you're opening a door, to a stairway <laughs> and the stairway leads to place where you need more work. Right. And I have to credit Ashley Booth. I had a conversation with her a number of years back. I mean, somehow that little uh, analogy came up, but I loved it ever since, you know, the, the door to a stairway. It's not like a door. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing a I long like to stairway. Th- yes. Yeah. It's quite a long stairway. And it doesn't matter whether it goes up or down; it's the it's the same. Um, the other piece that's really that I like to describe to people: so, okay, so we're going to open a door to your subconscious. When we take this psychedelic, it's going to help really open you up in ways that it hasn't. So, this is big progress. Doors open; it's been shut for so long. But guess what? All that stuff that's been repressed and difficult is going to come out. And it's going to appear like things are getting worse because now you're looking at, Oh, you, you know, people are not always thinking about it that way that they're prepared. This is where psychedelics can destabilize people because they open up a little too much, too fast. And then mm-hmm. it's just kind of pouring out and they're like, Oh, so that's another piece just to recognize that process. And it's another reason to, to have respect for the process, respect for what's locked in that room. There's a reason it's been locked in the room. You want to be gentle with that, the titration, you know, uh, slow and steady.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's it has been interesting. I mean, even with my own journey of diving in and being like, wow, this is amazing, like the potential it has, you know, like I learned that very early on, like, wow, if I got this much out of this one experience... And then I just kind of like you, I was like just diving in like big time. And then I was like, wait a second, like there's now like a lifetime worth of stuff that I haven't even processed or thought about or didn't think, I, you know, didn't think it was even affecting me. And that was when, you know, I realized like I need to get some support because this is not being like, quote, fixed or eradicated by this medicine it's actually all just surfacing like deeper layers. Um, And, and also, like you said, it was like deep trauma that I didn't think was even mine or, um, you know, things like intergenerational ancestral, like lineage work, like, and then not to mention the somatics, the nervous system. Um, And so there's so many layers to it. And it's been interesting because I think people think it's just this like interesting trippy experience, but you have studied, you know, um, Gabor Mate's work, polyvagal theory, somatic work, I think even a few other things, it sounds like. Um, and, you know, you're very knowledgeable. I think you also hel- help out with Gabor's program. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, currently an intern yeah. in the uh, program as a, to be a facilitator. But I, I don't know that I want to be a facilitator. I just <laughs> wanted to be involved still. And I like, you know, being like the yeah. intern's like a TA for the class. <laughs> So it's yeah. such a wonderful group and and the information is so amazing. So amazing.
0: But yeah. yeah, let's talk about this because you know, it's been a huge part of my own integration was um the, the somatic work and the energetics and the you know, the compassion piece that you know, it took me 40 years to get to that point to realize like wow, this has been the missing piece my whole life cuz probably a lot like you, like I had been in therapy for many years, I had gone over the same the same loops over and over and over and over for like 20 years in therapy. And I was like, well, why am I not really, you know, why does this keep coming up? And then it wasn't until this deeper, these deeper, you know, the somatics and my, my system and my, you know, understanding my nervous system and the operation and like how I was running in this like wounding pattern my entire life. And that's when things really started shifting. And a lot like you, um, you know, it was actually when I started really lowering like doses of, you know, whatever it was I was working with to really be like super present in my body and the experience. Um, And I'm wondering if this is something you've noticed too, or like the trend, especially out in California, because I've seen this as, you know, someone who helps out in ceremonies often where people just want to like have the big experience. And then next thing you know, they can't even sit still. And I'm like, well, is this really like, Helping, or is this, you know, like you said, is it is it actually maybe doing more harm? Is this, you know, creating more confusion or more anxiety? Um, and I'm curious, you know, what are your views on bringing in the somatics and the, the different, you know, modalities into this realm of psychedelic integration?
1: Yeah, well, big question. Um, I think, first of all, that you know, a lot of the high dose stuff, particularly is a lot of bypassing, you know, not all the time, of course, but there's a fair amount of that going on. And, you know, you can tell really easily the pandemic was really helpful <laughs> in, a, in a, another way. You know, there were a lot of circles uh, in, this, in the psychedelic community that when the pandemic hit, you were either on like the, the backside or the anti-vax or the, you know, the, all the controversy and c- conspiracy that was going on. And now regardless of which side you're on, you know, the conflict was so deep that it was splitting up groups and people were, you know, the the same as everywhere, I suppose. But if people are sitting there, you know, in ceremony, having mystical experiences every couple of weeks, and yet they're acting this way, it doesn't really make a good case for them integrating, you might say. So that's, you know, um, kind of, I don't think necessarily that high doses are, you know, any, anything special. Let me put it that way. I think lower doses are better. I I think I just read a recent paper that was really fascinating about psycholytic uh, or lower dose um, psychedelic work that they were doing in like the sixties, I think fifties, sixties, it was a whole style of research that was fascinating. I'm like, this is the way to work. You know, they had, they had um, much more, you know, access, like uh, you may have heard that Cary Grant, I think, had like 50 LSD sessions or something. He credits with helping him as a person and actor and everything. And that's what the kind of work he was doing, the psycholytic work. So I think there's a lot of benefit to the um, definitely lower dose. And and now as far as bringing other things. So another thing that I'm in the middle of training for, which is method Body Bodywork, which is... Um, accessing the unconscious through touch. So it's a really wonderful, it's like, it's, it's taking like when we're uh, anxious or whatever we're feeling, you know, chronically, like you're in these chronic states of, of, um, dissociation or whatever, you know, we hold tension in the body in different spots. So what Rosen does is it takes its touch, but it's not manipulative. You're not like trying to do something like a massage, but you're feeling those te- those tension spots and bringing awareness to them, just like you might in talk therapy. Bringing awareness to someone, it's like a non-judgmental, loving presence. But it's all done non-verbally because you're just meeting the tension that's there to bring awareness to it to help open it up. And so, I think bringing something like that into a more psycholytic oriented psychedelic session would be extremely powerful you know, and I've experimented a little bit, I must say, but, and it's worked out really well. You know, there was one time I was sitting for someone and he was very restless and, um, you know, just having a bit of a difficult time, but he couldn't quite sit still. And so at one point I put my hand like right here and I was there for like 45 minutes. And so then later he said, you know, that was the turning point for him. He said he felt, through my arm to my heart and that I was sincere and that's what helped him really turn around. And he ended up having a really nice healing experience from that. So I think it can be incredibly powerful, but you know, having a sense of when and how to do that. Cause you know, touch is such an interesting, um, area that's under a lot of, you know, Oh my God, don't touch anyone ever. And so, you know, I'm not in that camp for sure. Um, And I will note that, you know, the way I deal with touch and clients is I will tell them ahead of time and ask permission, you know, like the day before or days before. And then I tell them I'm going to ask permission again, even when you're in it as well. So if we get two yeses, then we go. Um, Just to clear up that little piece, because, you know, but I think touch can be incredibly powerful and it's, you know, the risks you know there's harm you know uh, you know that can happen certainly so it's just a, it's it's a question of you know really trusting the person that's you're working with and you know is it just are they somewhat somewhat trained in touch you know like maybe a somatic experiencing person would probably be good or something like that mm-hmm. anyway but Rosen method is done on a massage table typically you know without any psychedelics You know, as a hands-on modality, so sort of set up that way. So you can't do a full thing, but it's it's. I'm I'm a big one for like how can we combine things and make them, you know, maybe tune in. But it's really all about creating that safety. If someone Mm -hmm. really feels held, seen, and without judgment, and you can allow them to feel that, that is the you know, I would say the key essence of healing right there.
0: Yeah. And I think also what you were saying about, you know, the high dose experience, because I I noticed even within myself, I used to start out really high and then I kind of dipped down for a long time as I was like really deep in my process. And then now the more regulated I've become in my body and my nervous system and, and grounded in like my own internal sense of safety and not operating from a trauma response for, you know, 30 something years. um, Now I can actually sit much easier in those higher dose experiences where I'm, I, because I am, you know, in that safer place and I know how to actually like regulate myself. But I think, you know, like you said, it's like, well, if people are already starting out from this, like very traumatic, traumatic, you know, like unsafe place to begin with, maybe the answer isn't to just constantly be, you know, doing these high doses every week, you know. Um, And that's where it's been interesting because I've seen a lot of benefits of having these beautiful high dose experiences that are, you know, super life changing. But those have really only come through when I'm in that like super calm, regulated, grounded state, which that's the challenge, right? And um, it's funny that you bring up touch because, you know, like the somatic therapist I work with for many years pre-pandemic um, did a lot of touch. And it's actually something I've been trained myself where, you know, it was an in-person training program where we had, we had done a lot of hands-on work and um, d- kind of in various somatic therapy modalities. And it has been really life-changing. Mm-hmm. And then a few years ago, um, or was that just last year? God, it's like time just flies. I interviewed someone very, very well known in the psychedelic world who then had a major transgression hit the media. And right before the interview was supposed to be released, I had to pull the interview because of the the media that came out. And I it brought up a lot of this discussion of like, well, you know, where's where's the line? Because does this mean that now we're going to just say no more touching ever? Because then that defeats this you know, potential, um, huge healing, you know, this healing potential of through touch, like you said, um, because I've had that too. I've had, you know, I've had to grip onto someone's hand. I've had someone even, you know, the facilitator put their hand on my heart. I've put my hand on other people's hearts. You know, of course it's like consent. Um, but you know, it's interesting because when this happened, you know, a while ago, it was kind of like, oh, let's just, you know, stop touching anybody ever. And it's like, well, is that really the answer? I don't think so, because there's so much healing that can happen through this. And it's it's exactly what you said, like creating that safety and the trust and having like, you know, quadruple consent. And um, but it has been interesting in this world, you know, and, and the it's funny because even the, um, the Facebook post that Paul commented on was about um you know, essentially client, and this was actually about a therapist. It wasn't about a psychedelic facilitator, but like romantic relationships in this dynamic of therapist client and where the boundaries. And of course, if you read the answers to this post, you know, you have 400 people giving their own opinion, um, ranging from like, never, you know, never go there to some people saying like, let them do whatever they want. You know? (laughs) And it's an interesting world because, you know, and I kept saying, well, as MDMA therapy starts to grow over the next few years and continues, um, this will probably come up a lot, right? Like around like where are the boundaries? Do people even understand this concept of transference and where people, you know, like are people even learning this? Like, Do people know anything about how to touch from a place of um, healing and safety versus just, you know, from maybe not the right space. I'm curious, you know, you've been in the psychedelia and running integration circles and very like entrenched in this, um, you know, the Los Angeles psychedelic community. And, you know, we all know there's certain people where things have come up and, you know, like, and I always try to take like, look, humans all have both sides, right? Like we're all human, we're all trying to navigate this life. And there's going to be some transgressions there's probably going to be some problems because that's the nature of you know being a human but I'm curious like what is the what is the air what is the the take on how to best approach this you know like how to get this this right especially as people are starting to do more underground therapy and holding space and maybe some less trained maybe some more trained you know like it's a wild west world um you know what would you say is kind of like the feel out there Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a lot
1: because it's it, come it, up so
0: much, you know. It's,
1: you know, speaking about it, should there be touch or maybe how you touch is one sort of angle, but I think you're talking a little bit more about, well, how should just general people think about it that it may not be trained in touch or thinking about it that way, you know, I, my understanding of, cause I think I know who you're talking about. Um, my understanding is that, you know, that whole approach was a little on the excessive side in terms of more is better. And they were following, I think the guy's name is, um, Salvador Roquette or somebody from the sixties. And you know, he, his methods are very controversial. <laughs> very much. Let's throw people in the deep end and, and and that don't know how to swim and they you swim or die. And we're going to try and help you live, but you know, <laughs> a little harsh. Yeah, it's kind of like the harsh parent that we're sort of trying to overcome. We need the opposite really, not not that kind of a tough you know, just take more blasts through it. Well, you can't, some people can, but not everyone can, and that's going to be extremely damaging. And so you don't want to force touch similarly, you know, oh, you need touch. Cause like in, in, there was a particular video that was out about the, an issue with an MDMA situation where it looked like they were forcing the client to like hug and you know when the client didn't seem to really want it that video is not pleasant to watch and so you know that's is where you need to have that you know respecting the person and making them feel safe is so important and so why they someone would do that i'm not sure but that would be it might be good to have some general guidelines like that but they follow typical therapeutic safety guidelines you know you're creating a safe space. That means the client has to feel safe. It doesn't mean that you're enforcing your agenda on them. (laughs) Oh, you need to be hugged or you need to whatever it is. And so you've got to, you know, when the person feels safe, they can unfold on their own at their own time and their own pace. You know, it's like we say, you water the plant, you provide the perfect, you know, soil and fertilizer and water and sun and, and it'll just grow on its own. You don't have to like, okay, we're going to like do all this stuff. So that's, you know, but it's a, it's an interesting question. Cause how do you, cause people have to learn about safety and boundaries, you know, if they're working with other people and how would they get, I know that's, you know, education is important and not everyone's going to try to get it, I guess, but it'd be good to have like safe touch. I've been wanting to have a safe touch class. At you know psychedelia of be. some sort, and um you know, but I haven't put that together so far, <laughs>
0: but just oh my God that, Paul
1: it, I know
0: a safe touch training program I mean it's interesting because yeah. I always wonder you know the the training program I did was a hands on program um and it was in a very small group with someone who I've worked with for a long time, but you know i always wonder like well to what extent are people being um you know trained in this or even discussed like you know even this concept of um like especially with mdma coming you know into the forefront bigger than you know it's already everywhere but um you know we'll see what happens and i'm like well is this going to be discussed because you know mdma is also a little different than maybe you know, a mushroom session or a ketamine session, you know, it's like a very different kind of energy and different um, experiences and feelings and bodily, you know, desires can come up. Um, And it, you know, who knows what could happen. And I, I have this big fear that we're going to just hear like horror stories one after another, because of course, you know, we do hear more and more. And it's also just also the reality of the world we live in today. It's like things are also just being reported more, you know, we have more, access to media you know we all know this it's human nature unfortunately transgressions always probably went on um but it is interesting that you brought you know that you talked about like there's different levels and some are maybe a little less uh, effective and some are you know less invasive and more effective and there's probably you know other other ways um you know, something else I, I wanted to ask you because I get asked this all the time and I, I share actually, I think, a very similar opinion as you do, but people are constantly asking me, like, what kind of training do I need or what, you know, like, what do you recommend? Um, and I I always say, like, to me, and again, like, I don't know what every single training program teaches because I think some are a little more, like, I've had clients go through certain programs where they said it was all brain chemistry and science and, you know, very, like, head-based psychedelic training, which, you know, I'm like, well, I don't know how much that's really going to help when you have a client in a trauma response that you're sitting with. Um, You know, so I always say, like, the somatic work or understanding the energies and and trauma-informed training. But I'm curious, you know, if you had to name, like, your top three or four you know, things for people to study if they want to go hold underground space or, um, you know, get into psychedelic, like hands on work, like what would you recommend people go do and study?
1: Okay, that's a good one. And an easy one for me, <laughs> actually. Because, you know, there is so much out there. And a lot of it I'd say is way overpriced. But <laughs> that's just my perspective, not saying that they don't offer good things, depending Um, But to me, the most important things, the most, if I had to just pick one, I would probably pick Rosen, even though it has nothing to do with psychedelics whatsoever. And why do I say that? Because when you go to a Rosen intensive training, so to become a Rosen practitioner, you have to do six week long intensives. And so, you know, you're really immersed in the work and they, they create a space that is so welcoming and it's, there's no like discussion about this or that. They're just holding you where you are, mm. and you know it's beautifully done. I've never seen any any groups hold space better. I've seen you know groups hold space as well, but nothing better. And you, I felt so you know just healed you know a little bit mm-hmm. more together after one of those um, intensive trainings. I, I think everyone should at least just do one of those. <laughs> Um, That would be my, you know, because that's the felt sense experience. And I was on a a call once with uh, Marcella from uh, MAPS. I think she's the lead therapist at MAPS. And someone asked her, what are the most important things to being a psychedelic facilitator? And her answer was two things. One, self-care. And the second one was do your own work. Mm -hmm. You can really, and you understand this more as you do your own work, you can only take someone as far as you, you know, as comfortable as you are yourself, as well as you can hold your own space. So that's where I would say if I just had to pick one, because rose is, it's an experiential thing. It's not, cause you can learn and read books and you, you, you can know more than your class teacher, who knows, but yeah. it's, uh, it's that felt sense that you can't just read yourself into. And so aside from that, I would say compassionate inquiry, it's a pretty extensive program. You learn a lot about being trauma-informed. Uh, it's 18 months long, approximately, uh, if you're going to go through the whole thing to get certified. And as part of it, you're you're working on each other. So the, the part of it is doing your own work. It's, it's built into that program. And it's just, you know, it's elegant. And Gabor grabs stuff from everywhere. So, you're, you're, you you're know, you have, like, I'd say, the best of everything in trauma-informed trauma informed work with that so that's one piece that you would need some kind of trauma informed the second piece would be some kind of somatic piece like a rosen method or maybe somatic experiencing or Hakomi can be you know has that same attitude not you know the, the thing i like about rosen is that it actually involves hands-on touch not so many modalities do that and then the third thing of course well i guess maybe there's four the third one would be you need to have some sense of the transpersonal you know, and what someone's talking about, if they're talking about something that's like some total (laughs) non-dual issue, you want to be able to recognize what they're talking about and be able to talk that language and weave it into the day-to-day life. And then the last thing, um, you need to be familiar with psychedelics. (laughs) That
0: might help. Maybe a little.
1: Exactly. So a lot of people, you know, like myself included, when I was a teenager, I did I was like Mr. LSD as a teenager. (laughs) So, um, you know, I had a lot of experience with psychedelics. And so, you know, I know that there's a lot of people coming in that don't have it. That's another little argument in the space. Do they need to know? You know, and I'd say, yes, they do need to know. Can they, I think they can do some without it, you know, if you're a good therapist. But you're going to miss those pieces that are, you know, having been in the space and knowing really what that feels like. So that's my sort of answer, you know. Compassion inquiry rose in uh, some yeah. kind of, um, you know, tra- Alan Watts. I just love Alan Watts. You know, to me, he says a lot of what everyone's saying now. Only he said it better. Yeah. Yeah. So I just elegant, a very elegant guy. Yeah. So. Ram Dass. And it's, oh, Ram Dass, Ram Dass. oh yeah, Rundas, of course.
0: Now, it's funny that you said that, like, do do people actually need to have an actual psychedelic experience? And I um, the interview I had before you, this came up with uh, the psychedelic um CEOs of, you know, these huge oh, right. venture backed companies that are getting into this space. And I was like, well, do they even have any experience? And a lot of them don't. You know, some do. Um, They're not all like in the same camp. But it, it is very interesting to think like, wow, there's people really like dedicating their whole life to this and billions of dollars that have like not really even had the experience to know what it's about. But, you know, who am I to judge? Um. So, but I definitely agree with you on, you know, a particular level, especially if you're getting into facilitation and therapy and space holding, Um. you know, that's like a very different story than maybe just running some kind of right. venture backed company. Um, but paul like i'm I'm so glad to bring you on and discuss all this, so I want to give you a few minutes to talk about you know the work you do, what do you offer, what do you have coming up? you know I think you should definitely offer some kind of class on safe touch and how to go about that. That would be a big hit, but yeah, like where can people learn about what you offer and um you know, I'd love to hear
1: well, psychedelia integration is you know one place and there's a group of us. It's not just me that, you know, runs that or that, you know, is part of psychedelia. We have seven integration circles every month, uh, different facilitator for each one. So, you know, like I run mine once a month and everyone else runs theirs once a month. We're going to try and add some. This is something I think is really help would be really useful is closed group instead of, you know, because our groups right now are pretty open for everyone. So we're going to want to add a closed group meaning that someone would sign up for five weeks at once. So yeah, ha- this way you have the same people. You can build up some trust. Um, anyway, but that hasn't come about yet. So, but people can, you know, if they want to do my integration circle, they can come through, um, psychedelia. We're on Eventbrite and our website and all that. And then, um, my own, you know, kind of eclectic oriented, uh, approach through Panama's integration. And, you know, I have all the different little offerings, um, right now, you know, I'm not certified as a Rosen practitioner, so I don't really, I'm doing some practice sessions for free once in a while, but I'm still in that it's a three and a half year program. And I'm, you know, about a little more than halfway through. I've done five, I've done four of my six intensives I have to do. And then there's like a year and a half of, um, supervision and, you know, getting your hours to get that one in. Cause that's, again, that's something you can't just read out of a book. You have to like, you you need to be apprenticed, <laughs> you know, you touch here and feel this tension or whatever. So um, I find it very exciting, very drawn to that. I've been, you know, looking into bioenergetic exercises now and Wilhelm Reich and Alexander Lohan and all those people. So it's, a, it's, it's another, yep, another rabbit hole. <laughs> Me and Alice, we're just hanging out in the rabbit holes. (laughs) And um, so uh, what else? You know, from, you know, I do do some journey work. If someone's interested in that, they can go to my Panama's website. And there is a little section on there about that. So, you know, I always do that in a legal and safe way where I do not provide anything. So. Um, I think that's pretty, I I guess I can note, you know, the convergence, there's a big convergence conference coming up in LA at the end of March, is it? Yeah, Uh, April. on my psychedelics today. Um, Yeah. And so I'll be speaking at that. I'll be on a panel, I believe. And I'll be doing a little uh, body-based workshop as well.
0: Ooh, fun. I hope to be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great to meet you.
0: We'll definitely meet. Well, Paul, it was so good to have you on and to hear about all this and talk psychedelic integration and hear your journey. And thank you so much for doing this incredible work for the world and for yourself and, you know, putting yourself out there and taking time to comment on Facebook posts, too. So it's important, you know, like this education is how we all learn and um, learn how to discern and really, you know, feel into what works best for all of us. So thank you so much for sharing all this. It was great to have you here.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Beth. Pleasure. And if I can leave everyone with one thought, this is from a meme that I saw that I just love so much. And it's, um, I gave myself care when it wanted destruction. And that's when my healing began.
0: Words of wisdom. Right. (laughs) Thank you so much, Paul. It was great to have you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're feeling inspired, I'd appreciate it if you showed your love with a review. And check out my YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this podcast. You can also head to BethAWeinstein.com to learn more about me and grab my free business growth trainings. Remember, you carry your own unique medicine and your medicine is what we need for these times.